So a couple of weeks ago, I went to a wedding, a country, beautiful country wedding. How many of you have been to a wedding before? Cool. Maybe you're going to get to be in one one day in your life. Uh, I went to this wedding, and so it was a beautiful country wedding, and we had a few minutes at this particular part of the wedding, and I saw off in a distance some really pretty, can a guy say that? Pretty horses. I mean, they were just beautiful, really pretty horses. And so I thought, man, I'm gonna go over there and get a picture of that, because that's cool. So I took this um, I took this little journey, this little walk to go kind of through this field, and I got to the horses, and as soon as I got up to the fence, the horses kind of moved away. You know, have you ever had that happen before? You did all this work, and then they walk away. So I thought, well, okay, I'm gonna get a little bit closer. So I stuck my arm through, you know, through the fence, to try to get the picture, and I a little got the picture, and then right as I kind of hit the button I needed to hit, my arm lifted up a little bit, and it touched the fence, and I found out instantly that the fence was electric. <laughs> and since then, my equilibrium's been off. No, I'm just kidding. No, but I, I, my arm hit this, and it was a rope. It was weird. It was a rope fence, and I thought, this must just be the new modern age. I don't ever go outside. So I thought, and sure enough, it was an electric fence, and I put my arm through it. When it went up, it was like a shock went from head to toe, then back up to my head, and then I'm not sure what happened after that. Now, I tell you that because it's fun. You can all laugh, and hopefully you'll never do that. Always look at the fence. But I thought about that, and, and I was thinking about, okay, as I was electrified, I didn't look like that, but I thought, why, why? Why did you need to do that? Why not just make a wooden fence like everybody else in the history of mankind? Why do you have to make an electric one? And so I was thinking about it, and the reality is the reason there's an electric fence is why? Because it's to keep the horses in and to keep out me, right? Or anything that's not supposed to be in there. The point of the fence is to keep things that need to be in, in, and to keep things that need to be out, out. And I started to think about that as I was thinking about tonight, and you know what it reminds me of? The Bible. Because the Bible operates in a similar principle. The Bible is here for us as believers to help keep us on the path of God and in the will of God. But at the same time, if we will follow what the Bible says, it will help keep things from the world away from us. In a sense, it will protect us. See, a lot of people see the Bible as a bunch of rules and things that they have to, to follow and a bunch of stuff they have to do. And the reality is God's created the Bible as a guidebook, but also as protection. That, hey, if you won't do these things, it will save you from pain down the road. Okay? So it's just a couple of examples. If you murder someone, you're going to go to jail. And you might even get electrified for real. Okay? I don't know if we still do that. If you commit uh, adultery, commit an affair, right? Not only is it going to hurt you. It's gonna hurt your spouse, your kids, the whole family, and everyone connected to it. And so we see this picture, and I thought it was just fascinating. Now, I say that to you because what we're gonna see tonight as we get right into the middle of our message is we're gonna see how the Bible is gonna be the key for Joshua as he gets ready to take this adventure. Now, we saw what's happened. Joshua has stepped in for Moses. He is now taking over. And as you can imagine, if there's ever been a big task in front of you and you're about to take charge, maybe some of you took over a leadership position or started some kind of company or maybe you joined and took the president of a club, whatever it might be, and you stand and you look and you go, oh my goodness, there's a huge task waiting in front of me and I'm not sure how I'm gonna do it. Well, you can only imagine that's how Joshua felt. And so what we're gonna see tonight is God say, okay, here's what's gonna happen, and here's how you're gonna do it. 
Now, there's a couple questions that are lingering around right now when it comes to Joshua. The people of Israel, they've only known one leader, and that's Moses. So there's a couple questions. Uh, the first one might be, hmm, can he lead us like Moses led us? Because not only did Moses do well, not perfect, but he did well. He's the only one we've ever known or seen. So how do we even compare? There's a, there's a question there. There's also the question of, uh, will God speak to Joshua like God spoke to Moses? We're gonna come back to this later in the message, but in the Old Testament, this was not common. This was not normal. Moses had a special situation with God, and the question was, will Joshua experience the same thing? And then the other thought is, hey, what's gonna happen when we finally cross this Jordan River, when we finally get into this promised land? What can we expect? What's gonna take place? Are we gonna be in trouble? Because we know that there's enemies across the way. And so all of these questions will begin to become unveiled to us tonight. But there's one thing I wanna make sure I say in case I miss it later in the series. Joshua is going to remember a very important principle. And that is this, great leaders, when taking over, great leaders do not abandon the past, they build on it. Great leaders do not abandon the past, they build on it. Joshua is taking over for Moses. And Joshua could, like some leaders do, say, hey, we're done with that season, let's write it off, let's not talk about it, don't refer to it, if you do, you might get fired, we're done with that, the new age is here, let's go. But what you're gonna see in the book of Joshua is Moses' name's gonna come up 57 different times. Because Joshua understood a very important principle that we need to understand too. We aren't to abandon the past or to forget about the past, we're to build on it, or hopefully even to improve on it. Joshua understood this. Okay, let's begin. Here's our first point tonight. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? Don't be awkwardly silent. Stop right now. Don't write, don't write down yet. Don't write down yet. Look at your neighbor and tell him, listen, don't be awkwardly silent. Say it right now. I, you said one word. I saw you. Finish, finish it. All right, now look to your other neighbor, your second favorite neighbor, and tell them, don't be awkwardly, even if it's a chair, it's okay. All right, now you can write that down. Point number one, don't be awkwardly silent. Now give me a minute, we're gonna get here and it's gonna be good, but just give me a minute. Let's read the verse first. Joshua 1, verse one says this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. By the way, there's been about 30 days here, just so you understand, about 30 days in between the death of Moses and this moment, okay? And 30 days was about the common traditions of mourning, okay? So for Moses was a great leader, probably should have had a whole year to mourn him, but God said, nope, we're moving on. So the normal, traditional 30 days, and now he's moving on. So after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, now this doesn't mean that Joshua didn't have any parents. Some of you got it, that's okay, don't worry about it. No, seriously, the reason it says that some of you are like, in three minutes, I'm gonna get it. The reason it says the son of Nun, okay, sometimes we read over this in the Bible and we're like, this is weird, why do they keep listing all these locations and all these names? Well, it's to help us understand who these people are. So like, for instance, if you knew my family, 
Um, and then someone said, hey, do you know Chad? Well, Chad who? Because there's not a lot of Chads. There's only one Chad. But there's, there's a lot of Chads. How do I know which one you're talking about? Well, the answer is, it's Chad, the son of Stephen, my dad. Okay, now I have a connection here. That's who Chad is. So that's why we see that in the Bible. That was for free. You're welcome. The Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. So the first question was, will God speak to Joshua like he did Moses? What do we see? Immediately, God speaks 30 days later and says, hey, Joshua, it's your time. Let's go. Now this is huge, okay? We can't glance over this because this means that Joshua, the new leader of the people of Israel, is gonna have the voice of God, not just the word of God, but the voice of God navigating him. And this is monumental. And again, I have to remind you that this is not common in the Old Testament times. Only very specific people at very specific times had encounters like this where God would directly speak to them or encounter them. Now, this wasn't common in the Old Testament, but for you and I as believers in the New Testament, Though we don't probably hear the voice of God, though it's very possible, and I never want to eliminate that, though we don't as commonly hear the voice of God, we experience God on a daily basis. Why? Because the Holy Spirit now lives inside of you and inside of me. When you became a Christian, the Holy Spirit came inside of you, and now God resides inside of you. What does that mean? That means that you can encounter God every day of the week, any minute of the day that you choose. That also means that God Almighty who created you desires to have an encounter with you every minute of the day, every day of the week. He lives inside of you, and in the Old Testament, we know Ezekiel talked about one day this is gonna happen, and the people thought he was nuts, because it made no sense. In the Old Testament, no one spoke to God. In fact, the only people that could had to go into the tabernacle, into a, a sacred space to encounter God, and they were scared out of their mind, and Ezekiel told him back in the Old Testament, hey, one day it's coming that God's gonna dwell inside of man, and for you and I, we are living in that day. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, God resides in you. That's why we say you are a temple of God, a temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is. Do you get that? Now watch this. Think about our point. Have you ever sat in a room with someone and it was just the two of you and no one said a word? Isn't it awesome? The coolest experience ever. Because all you're doing is just thinking, what is he thinking? What is she thinking? All right, some of you, it was at your date this past Friday. All right, not a good sign. Not a good sign. Right, I'm just kidding. Move back, move back, move back. No, the reality is, if you sit in a room with someone and nothing is said, it is what? Awkwardly silent. This is funny. I, uh, I work out at Orange Theory. I, I love my gym. It's great. It's the best gym ever, whatever. But I, I love to go to my gym. But the problem is, at my gym, is uh, there's a lot of people that come, and it's always rotating, but there's a lot of people from our church that go too. And so sometimes what happens is I'll walk into the gym, and I'm like, oh, I know that I know, and I'm sorry if someone, I'm sorry if this is someone, I know I know that person, but I don't know if it's from the church or if it's because I see him at the gym, and I'm just, I'm not in the mood to be awkward, so I'm just gonna be silent. 
And so oftentimes I'll sit in a room and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I know that person I don't, and I don't say anything. And then later on, friends of mine will be like, hey, you know, that was the guy, like for instance, all right, let's be honest. So this happened last week. Uh, there was a guy that came to one of the classes I teach on Sunday morning and I, I, I saw him, I, I met him, but I, you know, it was the first time, the only time I didn't really recognize. He shows up to the gym the next week, work out together. We were even partners and I didn't say anything. Because I just didn't know. And then later on, the coach, who was my friend, just like, hey, you know, that was a guy that was in class on Sunday. I'm like, oh, that would have been nice to know ahead of time. Right? It's so awkward when you're sitting with someone, especially someone that you know even loosely and nothing is said. Can you imagine how God feels when he sees you and I sitting in our car, sitting in our room, sitting on the couch, sitting at our job, walking down the street, sitting even in service, and he says, I am... What do I have to do to get your attention? I love you so much. I want to speak to you. I want to encourage you. I want to help you. You feel lonely. You're not alone. I'm not just with you. I'm living inside of you. You don't need to feel this. Can you imagine how awkward it must feel for God? It doesn't feel awkward for us because we don't think about it. There's another one that happens, though. What's worse than awkward silence? Distracted silence. Example, by me doing that, do you know what I just said to you? You are no longer the most important person in the room. Think about it. You're sitting at lunch, dinner, meeting, whatever, and someone has their phone sitting out There's this almost subconscious thing that is said that, hey, I'm here, but I'm not fully here. Oh, and then it it rings, right? And you're like, not gonna pick it up. Thank you, right? I feel so great about that, right? Why don't you put it in your pocket? Because I should be the only thing that matters, right? And, and if you just go out in public, you know, these are all the same things you've heard before. You go out in public and you see people and they're all in a group hanging out, but they're all on their phone, right? Can you imagine? Can you imagine God saying, I, I, would, I just want to talk to my kid. I just want to talk to my kid. I can't get him or her off their phone. They're more worried about Instagram than hearing from me. And, I, and they wonder why their spiritual walk is so weak. I could say that nicer, but I'm not. So weak And it's because instead of spending even just a small part of time with me, they're distracted by everything else. Right, it's one thing when you show up to church and you decide not to listen, but when we realize that God dwells within us and wants to encounter us as much as possible, all of a sudden this begins to hurt. Awkward silence. Point two. God's promises are often prods, not pillows. God's promises are often prods, not pillows. You know what a prod is? Prod is something that you, it's what they should have used for me when I was walking toward the horse, like get away, get away, get away. You use a prod to kind of get something moving to, to push it out of the way, maybe even for its own safety, but a prod gets it moving. What does a pillow do? Anybody need, need an illustration? Okay. You lay your head down and you go to sleep. Hopefully it's thin, that's how I like it, but however you like it, a pillow is a pillow. Listen, God's promises 
they're often prods, not pillows. Now let's talk about promises for a minute, because this is important. I wanna talk to you about claiming God's promises, and I wanna bring a little bit of clarity on this, because I think this is important. Okay, there are promises all throughout the Bible. All throughout the Bible, there are promises from God. But these promises have, if you will, different categories that we need to understand. Some promises really can't be claimed by us because they really weren't for us. They were for a certain set of circumstances and a particular time during the biblical writing. So here's some examples. Let me give you three categories. If you take notes, great. If not, it'll be on the screen. You can just kind of follow along. First, There's situational promises, situational promises. What does this mean? This means that this promise was made by God to a person or persons, but it was for a particular situation, therefore really can't be claimed by us here today. So an example of this in Genesis 17, 16, we see where God is speaking to Abraham. We know that Abraham was the one where God said, I'll make you the father of many nations. In fact, he started this journey that we're still on right now in the book of Joshua. But he said to, what did he say to Abraham? He said, I'm going to give you a son. I'm gonna start with a son. Now, we can't claim that promise. We can't say, you know what? God promised him then, so he's gonna promise me today. I want a son. We can't really claim that promise. Now, we can claim that God might take care of us, that God might help us expand our family, but it's in God's will and in God's time. We can't use Abraham's promise here because it's situational. It was only for a certain moment at a certain time for a certain person or persons. Now, we also have conditional promises. Now, conditional promises are based on something. Based on a certain circumstance, this will happen, okay? So our example here for this, up on the screen, comes from Proverbs 37.4, okay? Proverbs 37.4 says this, if you will delight in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart, okay? If you delight in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, God's not gonna give you the desires of your heart if they are not delighted in him. So, for example, you may say, you may wake up tomorrow and go, you know what, today I want a BMW. I don't care about any other car. I want a BMW. That's the only one I want, a particular series, and I don't know what they are. But whatever the best one is, that's what I want. And you could pray that all night long, and that's great, but I just wanna warn you that God says, I'm not gonna give you everything you want. I'm gonna give you everything that you need. And so you may need transportation, that's wonderful, but let's start with the bike and we'll work our way up, all right? So we can't go in and say, you know what, God says he will give me what I desire if I delight in him, but if you miss out on the delight, you miss out on the point. So we have some promises that are contingent on certain things. Then we have these other set of promises, and these are what I just used, this is not a theological term, but I just put acceptable They're acceptable for all of us, acceptable promises. What is that? These are promises that believers can claim anytime, anywhere. An example, in Hebrews it says that God will be with us. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you can claim that promise all day long. Now, that's a little much, but it's important that you understand because some scriptures in the Bible, you can't just claim to be yours. 
we have to understand the context. Now, for some of you, you go, okay, that's great, but I might not remember all three of those, and it's kind of confusing. Can you help me with something else? Perfect, I got you. Here's some questions you can use just quickly. They'll be on the screen that can help you navigate this. Here's some questions to consider if you're looking at the Bible and you say, I wanna claim something. I want, I want something to be true, but I wanna make sure that this is the right thing for me to be praying and asking God to do. Here's some questions you can ask. Number one, am I asking this promise and a spirit of submission to God's will? Is this in God's will? Would this be something that God would be pleased with? If not, you probably need to avoid it. Number two, these are options. Does it contradict the word of God? If you don't see it in the Bible, you're probably not gonna get it, and that's okay. The Bible is our guide and our reference. Number three, does it inhibit God's will in another believer's life? So you may wanna claim a promise. Let's just say hypothetically, I really want the girl sitting next to me to fall in love with me and to be my wife. That may not be in the will of God for that person because you're not the right person because you got work to do, sorry. See how this works? So I can't say, you know what, God told me he's gonna give me the light of my heart, you are the delight of my heart, today's the day. By the way, just wanna let you know we're gonna get married, just let me know when you figure that out. It doesn't work that way. So it sounds kind of funny, but the reality is there is some very important truth to understand. The final question that can be helpful is, does my desire in this promise advance my spiritual growth? If I'm asking God to do something, does this advance my spiritual growth? Now, let's move on. The second question we wanted to see would this happen? Could Joshua do this? What would take place was what will happen when they cross the Jordan River. Look at verse three. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. First, he answers the question, you're going to walk over there, you're going to face your enemies, and you're going to have victory. You ever get that? Where you put your foot, that's what I'm going to give you. But watch this, there's some important stuff. First of all, look at how exact it was on this particular piece of land. Did you notice that? It is very specific. In fact, you could go back to a map. You've got to translate some cities to their modern day name, but you could map out this exact territory. Some of your Bibles might have it done for you in the back already because God is very specific. Now, why is that important? Because it sure does give them confidence to know that this isn't just some pie in the sky dream that might happen, but God says, see that line, to that line, to that line, to that line, it's gonna be yours, I'm giving it to you. Not a step further, but it's more than you could ever want. It's great confidence that comes with this, but look at the second thing. It says that I have given it to you but yet they're standing on the other side of the Jordan River. Did you catch that? They're standing at the other side of the river, looking out onto this land, and God says to Joshua, I have given it to you, but yet they don't possess it yet. Do you see this? Here's what's important. The ownership of the land belonged to God. The occupation of the land was the responsibility of the people of Israel. God said this is yours, but you're gonna have to take the steps into it, okay? Let me give you an example. 
I need a volunteer. Come be my volunteer real quick. He was like, I didn't know. Never sit in the front row again. Five or a one, what do you think? That's good, good man, okay. I was hoping you'd say one, that's all right. Okay, I'm gonna tell you, this $5 bill is yours. Congratulations. Okay, we're good, right? He now owns the $5 bill, everything's cool, right? Good, y'all good, y'all good, I'm good. You're good? Okay, have a seat. What's the problem? Oh, see, I, I gave you ownership of it, but you haven't taken it yet. And good luck, because I worked out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Here you go. See, the difference is, the difference is, I can tell you that it's yours, but until you take it, you don't have full possession of it. Take the $5 bill. You take it. You get it? Y'all see how that works? All right, you can have it for now. I'll get it back afterwards, you know, so. It looked like I did something nice, but trust me, I'm coming for you afterwards. We in church. Do y'all see that, though? This is really important. God has said, I promise to you that I'm going to give you this, but you're gonna have to take it. Folks, listen, this is why this is so important. God's promises to you, back up. God's will for your life is a prod, not a pillow. You're not gonna just wake up and say, well, you know what, I'll sleep in today because God's got a plan and it's all gonna just fall into place. No, God says, I want you to get up. I want you to get out there. I want you to go to school. I want you to, to go to work. I want you to start at the bottom and work your way up. I want you to start dating that person appropriately so that you can do this the right way so that you might find the one in the right time. I want you to do all these things. Don't sit on your bed or lay on your pillow. I'm telling you, I got something for you, but I need you to get up and I need you to take some steps into it. Do you see the difference? And this is what we need to understand tonight, that God is saying to you, I have something for you. All of our stories are different, but I've got these things for you, but it's not gonna just fall in your lap. You're gonna need to take some steps forward. You're gonna get moving. We like to use the illustration of a parked car around here. Have you ever tried to steer a parked car? What happens? The wheels turn, but the car doesn't move. But if you can get someone, not yourself, right, get behind the wheel, it's always easier. But if you can get someone to start pushing the car, all of a sudden the car rolls and then guess what happens? You do that same move, you start steering, but all of a sudden you can turn it into different directions. And we see our lives can be similar. It's a good illustration of our lives. We get moving and we say, okay, God, take the wheel. Thank you, Care. Take the wheel, you guide me, but I'm gonna do my part to get moving. I'm not gonna sit at home on my pillow or playing video games and do nothing. I wanna figure out my life. And so I'm gonna take a few steps forward and I'm gonna watch you work. In fact, biblically speaking, we see this all the way through scripture. So many times, God says, I need you to trust me first. Take a step and watch me work. That could be a song. Somebody write that down. <laughs> Take a step and watch me work. I am promising to you that I'm gonna take care of everything, but I may not unveil the entire hand right away. I need you to show me your faith, to show me your courage by taking a step, trusting me, and then you watch as I work. How many of you in your life, you can say, I I've seen that principle. Maybe I didn't like it, but I've seen that principle to be true. Man, we get started 
And all of a sudden, we look back, we didn't even realize it, but God was navigating everything from the get-go. We just had no idea what was happening around us because we didn't see the big picture like he does. So we have possession, and Joshua to his people, they had possession, but they had to step in. They had to take it and step into God's promise. And by the way, this is just a fun note. Oftentimes, God gives promises, not explanations. So, so we, we like this. We, hey, God, could you... Remember Moses? Do y'all remember Moses from when we did this? Okay, God, I'm gonna do this, but could you just break down for me maybe in three points how this is gonna work, where I'm gonna go, how are they gonna listen to me, what am I gonna say to them, who am I gonna say you are? Do you remember all the questions he has? I need you, God, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it, but I need you to just help break it down for me so I can see the big picture. And God said, no, 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 no. I don't give explanations because I created everything. He didn't say that. I added that for you. But I don't need to give you explanations. I'm the creator of the universe. I need you to just trust me as you take your steps. Okay, let's move on. I can sit there forever. Number three, point number three. There's only 18. Point number three. Look up. Look up. Verse five. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, man, that's an encouragement. So I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Some of you need to claim this right now. Be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to your fathers to give to them. Now what is the land? The land is about seven cities with some giants, well-armed, well-trained, and they had chariots, and most of the cities, not all of them, had walls around them. And here are a bunch of slaves that just got out of Egypt, and they're supposed to step in, maybe farmers might be a better example, and they're supposed to step in as farmers and conquer this land. And God says, don't worry, I'm telling you it's yours, I just need you to step out and take it. Now all of us will take the $5 bill, maybe higher, some of you are like, I don't mind a higher one. We'll take the $5 bill, but when God says, I want you to step out here into no man's land in a place that looks like it's impossible, and trust me, we go, can we stick with the five? That was a lot easier. (laughs) This is what Joshua is facing. But the words of God, they're so strong, what does it say? Here's my promise. No one shall be able to stand before you. Now, now, translate that carefully. There's gonna be people that stand in front of him, but no one's gonna stay standing while they stand in front of you. No one will remain standing when this is all said and done because I'm gonna walk you through. And listen, guys, in your difficult times, this is where the look up comes in. What we tend to do is kind of, Scope out the land, scope out the problem, scope out the situation, whatever's lacking. We look around and we go, man, this is crazy. Like, this is impossible. I don't, there's no way. There's just absolute. And what God is saying to Joshua is the same thing he's saying to you tonight, is that you need to stop looking around at all the things that don't make sense to man and put your eyes on me, the one that created man, because I'm the one that's got the plan. Man, we're so quick to call our friends and our mom and just look around and be like, I can't do this on my own. And then we'll call God at the last minute. And God said, no, 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 no. I want your eyes on me. And you watch as I take you places you never dreamed because your trust is in me, not in the things that man will understand. Listen, if God asks you to do something that's so simple, you don't need him to actually do it, what's the point? 
When God asks you to do something, it's gonna be so big, you're gonna need him to help you get through or you're not going to make it. And some of us, this is why we're struggling right now. Because we've been doing everything on our own. We have not accepted what's been sitting in front of us because we are, comp- we are content doing it by ourselves. God says, man, this is for you, but you're gonna have to trust in me. You're gonna have to keep your eyes on me. And he says, I want you to be strong and courageous. We'll come back to this in a minute, but strong and courageous. This is not a self-confidence, okay? This is a confidence that can only come from God. So there's been days as a teacher, I've been teaching for, oh my goodness, like 11 years. There have been some messages, especially early on, but all the way through where I go, mm, no problem, I got this. Maybe I've taught that passage before or, or you know, I'll, and I walk in with a, with a self-confidence and I get up there and I feel good. Then I get up and it's like an explosion, a bomb, not a good one, a bad one. Like the floor fell out, people are falling asleep. I see, I'm just kidding. People are falling asleep, all these things are going downhill. And I'm like, what happened? I thought it was gonna be so good. I mean, I, I, I made it great. I thought, and you know what happened? It was all me. But then there's been some times, there's been some crazy opportunities I've had to speak. And every week, by the way, is a great privilege. And I've had to walk in scared out of my mind, I don't think I can do that. I remember the first time I thought, I don't think I can do this, are you crazy? These people are twice my age. I can't do this, not y'all, but the first time. I can't do this, and I get up there, and you know what happens? It goes great, because it wasn't me. I had to depend on the one that was gonna make it happen all along. And so be careful when we say be strong and courageous, it doesn't mean walk in your own strength. It means you be strong and courageous because you know that the God of the universe is holding you up. And the more scared you are, I'll argue, the more successful you'll be because you'll be dependent on God. Number four, get your murmur on. We're making songs tonight. This is good. Get your murmur on. Now relax. Let me come back to verse seven. We're almost done. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all that the law Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The last question that came up was, can Joshua lead us like Moses did? And the answer is yes. Why? Because not only was God speaking to him, he had the book, the Old Testament, or the law, they reference it, to guide him every step of the way. And so do we. The Bible is our guide. And listen, it says this word meditate, it says to meditate on it day and night. This is actually, we can take another translation of this, and it's the word murmur. It's the idea because in in biblical times, they didn't have their Bible on their phone like we do and we still don't read it. That's another point for another day. They had to listen to it 
remember it, and then they would walk around just saying it. And it was like in a murmur. It was in a murmur. They would murmur it. They would, they would be mouthing it to themselves. They would murmur. They'd, they'd get their murmur on. Just kidding. They would be mouthing it to themselves. And that's how they were. So when he says, I want you to meditate on day and night, I want you to keep it within your mouth. He's saying, I want you to say it. I want you to speak it. I want you to continually come back to it. Not just show up on Thursday and hope something good is said so that you can hang on to that for the rest of the week. But he says, I want you to have an encounter with it every day because this is what's going to guide you and navigate you and it's coming directly from the Holy Spirit. It's coming from me, God. It is your guidebook. So it says I want you to meditate on it. And it says I don't want you to turn from it, not from the right or the left, not from the left or the right. I want you to hang on to this. This has to be the center. Why? Because living out the Bible is helpful for us and living out the Bible is helpful for them. Living out the Bible is helpful for us. Why? We know the Bible gives us courage. We hear these stories about guys like Joshua and we learn and we grow. We know that if God can do that with him, maybe God can do this with me. If God promised this and I can claim that promise, I want to walk in that promise. I want to ask God to do that for me. But living out the Bible helps them. Who's them? It's everybody else. Do you know how people in this world see who the true God is? They see it through us. And that is scary because us, in general, the Christians, we're pretty weak. That's why we got to keep coming back to a story like this. Guys, be strong. The world's falling apart. Be strong and courageous. We're going to make it. Or just pray that God will come back now. Come on. Oh, everything's falling apart. The news is horrible and the laws are changing. And, uh, uh, and we're a bunch of And maybe because I'm a lion, I don't know, maybe I see things differently, but can I tell you something? When you and I don't live out the Bible, and we live however we want, and then we go, I'm a Christian, I go to under, don't you dare say that unless you're living for the Lord, period. I'll beat you down. I don't know if I should say, I'm sorry. <laughs> Why? Because it is the most confusing thing ever. And no wonder why so many people go, I don't want anything to do with God if he looks like you. Living out the Bible is good for us, keeps us in the will of God, keeps us focused, but living out the Bible, it's good for them. And God didn't have to do this. God could just make everything happen, he could make everyone love him and everyone follow him, but he says, no, 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 no. I want you, one, to have a choice, and two, I'm gonna let my people be the example. That's a responsibility for you and I. And we're not gonna be perfect at it, so be careful, all right? I'm not beating you up, because you could point fingers at me too, but we've gotta rise up. We've got to look different, and the church has got to have more courage. We look at the world, and, and I can tell by, by some of y'all's social media, we look at the world and we just, we're freaking out because we think this whole thing's falling apart. You already knew that. It's in Revelation. We already know the world's gonna fall apart. It's been falling apart since the day it started. It's called sin. Don't be shocked by that. It's a, it's a call to arms. For us to rise up and say, okay, if this thing's falling down, let me step in because I want to be someone that represents him. He's given me that privilege and that responsibility, and I want to do that. And when, when people see the church, by the way, just in case you were wondering, the church is not this place. It's you. 
It's not sticks and stones, it's flesh and bones. It is you and I, we are the church. And so when you and I don't live like God's called us to live, the world looks at us and says, well, if that's your God, I want nothing to do with him. And that's the same God that is the only way for them to be saved and to experience eternal life with our King forever. That's hard. Opportunity and responsibility. And I guarantee you, if there were some people here that could look in on us, older, way older, however you want to articulate, they would look at this and they would go, if I could just come into your room and if I could just shake all of your young people and say, please listen, I would have given anything to have God speaking to me at that age, to have just a chance to do things differently to save my marriage before it fell apart, to save how I parented my kids, to save how I did my career, to save how I ran my business. Guys, it all, life all centers around still the same thing. What? The Bible. It's these principles that navigate us. It's these things that push us forward. And so God is saying, listen, keep this at the center of your life. And listen, this is you and I's job. Okay, showing up on Thursday, showing up on Sunday, or maybe both, whoo, is still not enough. It's not enough. God says, I want you to, Joshua, I'm saying it to you, but I'm saying it to you. I want you to meditate on my word. I don't want it to leave your mouth. I want it to be something you're going, you should be coming up to me on Thursdays and being like, hey, man, uh, that was good, but there was so much more that you could have said. I mean, I was studying this the other day, and I saw this and this, and I'd be like, how dare Awesome! This is great! Because you guys are growing up. Not to call you young, but I'm just saying, you're growing up. You're stepping into this. You don't need me. You don't need anybody else because you've got God and your Bible and you're ready for life. And that's where we've got to get. And so what does he say? Meditate on the Bible. Meditate on it. Meditate on it. Don't skim over it. It's not enough. Don't skim over it. Meditate. What does that mean? Give it time to sink in. Why? So that you can get the most nutrition out of it so that you can get the absolute most. The more you watch, the more you sit, the more you think, the more you study, the more you pray, the more you let it sit, the more you process it, the more you will find every time. So we meditate on it. It also says, hey, for some of us, we don't, we don't like to read. You don't have to raise your hands, okay? Hey, I got great news for you, you ready for this? The Bible was actually written to be heard, not read. When it was originally written, they couldn't pass out copies that glow on your phone. They had to read it in large assemblies and everybody had to listen and try to memorize as much of it as they could and they would keep, they would sit for hours. Y'all complain about 30 minutes. Okay, maybe like 50 minutes, whatever. Y'all, they would sit for hours and just hear the Bible read over them, read over them, read over them. So maybe you need to get an app or you need to get something like that that you could just hear the Bible. That's wonderful. But we gotta meditate on this. It's interesting, we read the Bible like no other no other book. Anybody read a novel where you just turn to like page 67 and read verse seven? Anybody do that? No? Any readers in the house? Right. Try that tomorrow. Pick out one of your favorite books. Just turn to page 67 line, we'll just say 17, and tell me everything that you found. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And so we gotta have a bigger perspective of the Bible. We wanna cross it, we wanna process the Bible. We wanna see it for its totality. It's kind of why we're doing Joshua the way we are. Okay, I could go on forever, but I'm gonna stop. Oh wait, one more thing. Scripture memorization. Some of you might be like, oh, a little word of the week, they ain't kind of corny. 
hey, to each his own, that's fine. But let me tell you something. When these Bible verses are ingrained on your heart and you're sitting with someone at the hospital because your friend's about to die, and he says, hey, can you, man, I'm so scared. Can you just, can you just say something to me? And you go, oh, man, I, I didn't bring my Bible. My phone's dead. I don't, I, you know what? Yeah, I can. Let me just, let me just share scriptures that come to mind. And you'll be amazed at how God brings to your mind passages that were written on the tablet of your heart maybe even years ago because you cared and you were prepared for what God might do. It's deeper than just saying, I checked the box. It's so much more. I'd encourage you. Maybe you just need to read Joshua 1, 1 through 9 this whole week, just every day. Just read it once every day and see what you find. You might be surprised. And for those of you, I have a lot more, but I'm gonna stop right here. For those of you that go, well, man, it sounds all great when you're up there talking to us and we can't say anything. I'm just too busy. All right, I'm busy. Okay, maybe you're not saying it like that. I had a little sass there, but I'm just too busy for that. You, I promise, if you knew my schedule, you would know that I can't do that. Listen, listen. It's possible that you might be too busy to memorize a, a set of verses every day. It's possible you may be too busy to meditate on scripture for an hour every day. That would be possible, I won't argue that. But listen to me, God will never put so much on your plate that you don't have time for him. God will never put so much on your plate that you don't have time for him. He loves you too much and he knows how much you need it. He knows how much you need it. So here's Joshua. Man, he's scared out of his mind. What lies ahead, the unknown, following Moses' footsteps, and yet God says, what? Be strong, be courageous, meditate on the word, and have faith in me, and watch as I fulfill the promises I've said to you. Can I tell you something? You are loved, you are unique, and you have a purpose. Those are God's promises to you. He loves you. He formed you in the womb uniquely. And he, as, if you're walking with him as a believer in Jesus Christ, has a purpose and a plan for your life. And some of us are living life like it's a playground. It ain't a playground. It's a battlefield. It was a playground when you were a little guy. You were singing lullabies. That's great. Jesus loves me. This No. You ain't in lullabyville anymore. You're an adult. And the playground's become a battlefield. And the enemy is strong, but our God is stronger. He has given you everything that you need. Be strong, you be courageous, and you stand toe-to-toe with the enemy, and you say, there is nothing you can do to me. And for those of you that are like, well, I'm not Joshua. I'm not this guy. I'm not this great leader. Listen, you're, whatever it is you think that you are, God sees you as more. He sees you as more. And what he's put inside of you is everything you need to do the thing that he's called you to do. Don't you dare let your circumstances limit you. All you need is him and some faithfulness 
and courage. And remember, courage is not something we have. It's something that we show. It's something that we live out. And if you and I will be diligent, man, what God can do with you will be unbelievable. I hope Joshua encourages and inspires us as we look at our lives and the challenges that lie ahead. And we know that God is walking with us. And so we can be strong and courageous because he is on our side.